0: Get your Bible out, get your pen and a pad of paper out. Expect to receive from the Lord the anointing of God is in this place and is right where you are. So God wants to, uh, he wants to build you up so that you could lay hold of the inheritance that he has for you. So we're gonna talk about some things this evening. So get ready, I know you are. Let's turn over to Daniel chapter 12 We're going to start in verse 4. Daniel chapter 12, verse 4. It says this, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. You know, Daniel said a lot of things about the end times, God is giving Daniel instruction after he shows him things pertaining about the end of time. So what, what we're talking about is that time is that which is to come. We are at the end of the church age. We are about to, to go and meet our Lord and Savior. Uh, the church age has been going almost 2,000 years And so where it says here, even to the time of the end. There's really two characteristics of the time of the end. It says that men will run to and fro. This could mean worldwide travel. You know, it's really amazing how you can get anywhere in the world very quickly. It could mean uh, that people being very busy in their lives running to and fro, like a real stressful lifestyle. It could mean running to and fro in, con- in, in confusion, but when we look at all, all of these possibilities, our day fits all of this. We have people with, with our modern technology, we could fly anywhere quickly, but we're living in very stressful times because people are so busy, it's uh, society can be very confusing. The second, uh, the second aspect of this is that knowledge shall be increased. Now, notice the word of God did not say wisdom shall increase. We have more knowledge of God's word than any other time. The world system has had so many advancements in knowledge, and in technology. But the Bible speaks of the last days. It speaks of the last days very specifically. It's amazing how specific all this end-time prophecy is. That's why we know that we are in the season of His coming. We're about to see the Lord Jesus Christ and be with Him. As a child of God, you must know where you're living in history and that you're living in the last days. Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 in verse 17, and we're going to look and read verse 17 through about verse 20. It talks about these last days. And it says here, "...and it shall come to pass in the last days." saith God that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. Verse 19, and I will show wonders in the heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. You know, one thing Peter said, uh, as spoken of in the Word of God, Peter said that we were in the last days on the day of Pentecost almost 2000 years ago so that would put us at the end of the last days in the final days in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 we're going to look at verse 1 and verse 2 it says this about God Hebrews chapter 1 in verse 1 God who at sundry times or at that means at various times and in diverse manners or in many, many manners, spoken times past unto the fathers by the prophet, pro, by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. So we are almost 2,000 years into, what the Bible calls the last days. And these are interesting days. We've seen this even in our own society, even in 2020. It's amazing what we've had to deal with the first six months of 2020. 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, you know, I've quoted this this verse a lot, but it says, this know also, and this word know literally means perceive and understand this, This know also that in the last or the, as it would be translated in the Greek, the final days, perilous times shall come. We know that we're living in perilous times. And this Greek word literally means dangerous, difficult, and strength-reducing times. We know that Satan is working behind the scenes to try to reduce the strength of people Fear is at an unprecedented level. And I'm telling you, for us as Christians, it's time that we rise up and be Jesus to our world. I'm so excited about that. You've heard me say this before, but I believe we're going to do a lifetime of ministry in a, in a matter of a very few short years. We have to know what the Bible says so that we could stand against the fear that comes. excuse me you must know what God has given you and why he's given you these things many believers have no clue what's coming they have no clue what they've been provided and escaped from and we need to know that as believers God has not appointed us to wrath and we are a glorious church and we're going we're to see a mighty revival during these times. You know, the book of Revelation has scared most people because all they see is the Antichrist and plagues and vials and all this stuff. But in reality, the book of Revelation is literally a revelation of Jesus Christ. So you know, Joe, in the last several uh, services that we've had here... He's talked about Daniel's 70th week or 70 weeks. And we need to understand Daniel's 70 weeks. So I kind of want to go through this and just slow it down a little so that we really understand what Daniel's prophecy is talking about because Daniel's prophecy of the 70 weeks of years literally is the foundation for the whole book of Revelation. If you don't understand this, you're going to have a hard time understanding end-time prophecy. And we want to explain it once again so that we really understand it. So turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 9. We're going to look at verse 24 through verse 27. Daniel chapter 9 in verse 24. Hallelujah. The Bible says this, 70 weeks... Are determined upon thy people, talking about the Jews. Now this this word seventy weeks, it literally is the word seven, which means a completion. What it's talking about here is seventy complete periods. In other words, it's talking about seventy weeks of years, or four hundred and ninety total years so this prophecy is very exact it's talking about 70 weeks of years 70 times 7 is 490 years are determined upon thy people talking about the jewish people and it says and upon thy holy city that would be talking about jerusalem and, it, and it's determined to do this, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy. In other words, the prophecy will go until then, what we're talking about, until the end of the world and to anoint the most holy. So now, if you were to look and interpret Scripture according to historical events and other things, we can see that the 70 weeks are 70 weeks of years, or in other words, as I said a minute ago, 490 years. And the end of these 490 years will bring an end to the transgression It'll bring an end to sins. It'll, be, it'll bring a, a reconciliation for iniquity. It will usher in and bring in everlasting righteousness. And it's going to bring to completion the vision and prophecy. And it will also be a time where there will be an anointing of the most holy. Now it's interesting if we back up and take a break from this. Keep your finger there. But you can keep your finger in Daniel chapter 9. But go to Matthew chapter 24. And this is Jesus talking. And it says here in Matthew chapter 24, in verse 3, it says, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And... What shall be the sign of your coming and the end of the world? The 70 weeks of years or 490 years of God's determined dealing with the nation of Israel. This is what we're talking about. There, God says, I'm going to deal with the nation of Israel for 490 years. So now let's jump back to Daniel chapter 9 in verse 25 Daniel 9:25 It says this Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and rebuild Jerusalem unto the Messiah the prince shall be 7 weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall even in troublous times. So what we're talking about here is why break up the seven weeks of years and the 62 weeks of years. So I want to read something to you that will show you... um, when his name is, oh gosh, Atar Exerces, which was the king of Persia, he commanded that Jerusalem be built. This happened literally on the tw- in the 20th year of the king's reign in the month of Nisan, which would be March or April. See how exact this is. And this event... When Atar Xerxes, when that king of Persia, commanded that Jerusalem be rebuilt in this March or April in his twentieth year of twentieth reign, twentieth year of reign, that is when the four hundred and ninety years started clicking. So it took, Nehemiah, it took Nehemiah forty-nine years to build the second temple. In other words, it took Nehemiah seven weeks of years to build this temple. From the time this second temple was rebuilt and dedicated until Jesus was crucified was exactly 434 years or 62 years of weeks. It's really amazing how that Daniel prophesied this. And all of a sudden, the king of Persia commands Jerusalem to be rebuilt. And we even know in history the day that it started. And then now, when that happened, it took 49 years to build that temple until it was dedicated. And then from that time, from that first period, 62 more weeks of years or 434 more years, and Jesus shows up on the scene. This is exactly what we're talking about. So if you were to take the 62 weeks of years and the seven weeks of years, that is 69 of the 70 weeks of years came until Jesus came to the earth. So now I want you to hold your finger in Daniel, but I want you for your notes to look at Nehemiah chapter 2, and we're going to look at the first eight verses of this chapter because it talks about the rebuilding of this temple and the rebuilding of Jerusalem. So Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1 through verse 8, hallelujah. Hope everybody's doing okay. Praise God. We're just kind of teaching tonight. Bear with me one second here. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1. It says this, And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, which usually falls March or April on the Gregorian calendar, in the twentieth year of Azerxes the king, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad, In his presence. In other words, this was the first time that the king of Persia ever saw Nehemiah sad. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is your countenance sad, seeing you're not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid and said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city? The place of my father's sepulchers lie waste and the gates thereof are consumed with fire. This is talking about Jerusalem. Then the king said unto me, for what dost thou make request? Wow. In other words, the king of Persia asked Nehemiah, Nehemiah, what do you want me to do for you? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said to the king, if it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. And the king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him, for how long shall thy journey be? And when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. Moreover, I said unto the king, if it please the king, let letters be given unto me to the governors beyond the river that they may convey me over till I come into Judah. And a letter unto Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the palace which appertain to the house and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall enter into. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. So this is what started the prophecy. So we're talking about, we know from history, 49 years it took until that temple was dedicated. And then from that time, 434 years or 62 weeks of years until jesus the messiah showed up on the scene so now let's go back to daniel chapter 9 in verse 26 and let's continue on here daniel nine twenty-six, and it says this and after three score and two weeks shall messiah be cut off But not for himself. Why does it say that? The reason why is because Jesus, he was cut off for you and I. All of our sin was condemned in his body. He redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. And it says this, And the people of the prince that shall come, talking about the Antichrist, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war, desolations are determined. What this is talking about is the end of the 70th week, which has not happened yet. Jesus was crucified for us. This is a prince that was not there he would come later that's talking about the antichrist who will come to power during daniel's 70th week we call it the tribulation period and ultimately the last three and a half years of that seven year period we call it the great tribulation it was it was herod's temple that titus under the roman command destroyed in ad 70 This passage in Daniel is not speaking of this. The Antichrist shall come from some territory, region, country, or nation under Roman rule. God gave Daniel basically a sneak preview of the Antichrist. Now verse 27 of Daniel chapter 9. And he shall confirm the covenant with many... For one week, talking about one week of years, that's Daniel's 70th week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. In other words, the Antichrist will make a seven-year peace treaty at the beginning of the tribulation period. In the middle of this seven-year period, the Antichrist is going to sit in the temple that will be rebuilt during the tribulation period and proclaim himself to be God. And this will start the last three and a half years, which is called the Great Tribulation. So the break between the 69th week and the 70th week, we call this the age of grace or the church age. So literally, the reason why I wanted to really go into this is because we need to know that there has been a stop. When Jesus was crucified, The 69th week stopped, and now when he came out of the grave, now the church age, the age of the dispensation of grace started. God stopped the prophetic time clock when Jesus was crucified and started the clock on the church age. In other words, God, during the church age, He is not imputing man's sins against them. He's giving man an opportunity to be born into his family, to become part of his family. Jesus' earthly ministry until the rapture of the church. The church age will end at the rapture of the church. Isn't it exciting? So now we see, right now, this is why you know, any kind of teaching that says that God is judging uh, and God, is, God caused a hurricane or to wipe out a town and that's the judgment of God, that's all nonsense. Because this is the age of the dispensation of the grace of God. God is not holding man's sin against him right now. He's giving man an opportunity, and I'm telling you, we're at the end of that. The church age started when Jesus came out of the grave. He was the firstborn. And the church age will end at the rapture of the church. Exciting stuff. In Luke chapter 16, in verse 16, it says this. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached and every man presses into it. In other words, the church age is the same as the kingdom of God on the earth. The seven-year tribulation period that is about to come on the earth after the church is raptured, this is Daniel's 70th week. The book of Revelation confirms what Daniel informs us about in the tribulation and then the book of revelation describes the details and activities that are occurring on the earth and in heaven so this all of this is a background that leads us to revelation chapter one we see three aspects of a revelation of jesus christ or you could say three pictures of jesus that are required in the new or that are that are literally recorded in the new testament in the gospels we see a picture of jesus as the son of man jesus operated on this earth as a man anointed by god he did that to show god's original plan for man In the epistles, we see a picture of Jesus as the head of the church. But in the book of Revelation, and this is why it's so important that we read the book of Revelation and understand it, because the book of Revelation, it's not a revelation of the Antichrist. It's not a revelation that's supposed to scare people. It is a revelation of Jesus Christ. In the book of Revelation, we get a picture of the Lord as Jesus, the triumphant King of kings and Lord of lords whose kingdom never ends. And we need to know that as believers. So now I want to, we're talking about this period of the church age. We have Daniels, we got 69 of the 70 weeks have already taken place. Now we literally, where we are in history, we've come about 1900 And 90 years, I mean, almost, we're almost at that 2,000-year mark of the church age. We're at the end of the church age. The next event to happen is the rapture of the church. Let's turn in our Bibles. I'd like you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in verse 58. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in verse 58 now, Joe um, has done a wonderful job talking to us about the rapture of the church. I want to read two passages of scripture in regards to this so that we have a very strong picture of this event that is about to come upon the earth, where Jesus, he catches us up to be with him. Hallelujah. We call it the rapture of the church. This is the next event on God's timetable. It comes upon us before what what is called the Ezekiel 38 conflict, and then ultimately the seven-year tribulation period. So the next thing that's going to happen, that I believe is going to happen very shortly, is the rapture of the church. So let's read what Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51. He says this, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Notice how it says, but we shall all be changed. That means the whole church will be raptured there's many teachings where they take scriptures from the gospels of what jesus said which he's talking about the second coming talking about the jewish people and they will try to say well only those that are looking are going to go in the rapture but i'm here to tell you that if you're born again if you've received christ you will go in the rapture of the church We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpets shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. This term in the twinkling of an eye, General Electric years and years ago said that that would be the equivalent of 11 one hundredths of a second so literally we're going to hear a trumpet and we're going to be with the Lord face to face how exciting is that it says here in verse 53 it says for this corruptible talking about the dead in Christ the ones that have already died and, and are in heaven for this corruptible must put on incorruption And this mortal, that means those of us who are living on the earth still, must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. I love this Greek word. It means be settled. Child of God, we can be at rest during this time because our life is hid in Christ. He is our inaccessible place of refuge. The God of heaven takes care of us. Be steadfast or settled, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. What a wonderful passage of scripture, talking about the rapture of the church now I'd like you to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and we're going to look at another passage of scripture where Paul talked about this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and we're going to look at verse 13. We're going to start in verse 13 and we're going to read several verses. Hallelujah. I think we're going to go through about verse 5 or chapter 5 in verse 9. Chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians, in verse 13. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, said it this way, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself, I love that, shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And the Bible says in verse 18, Wherefore comfort one another with these words. Child of God, you need to know that Jesus is coming for the church very soon. During these perilous times, let that comfort you. We're not appointed to wrath. Our God is our provider and our protector, our deliverer, our healer. Isn't that good news? Hallelujah. Chapter 5, verse 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, peace and safety. This word safety literally means they'll say peace and prosperity. Then sudden destruction... Cometh upon them, as travail a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Now it's interesting that word "escape" literally means, and they shall not vanish. But then in verse four, but you, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. See, we're to know, we're to know the season of his coming. You are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. This phrase, be sober, it literally means let us watch and not be moved by our emotions. I'm telling you, I'm not moved By what I see, by what I feel, by what I hear, I am moved by what I believe, and I believe what God said. Hallelujah. Verse 7, For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, And for a helmet, the hope of salvation. And look at this. This is what I really want you to see. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. See, the tribulation period is called Jacob's wrath. This is a scripture that really is just another foundation for me that there is a pre-trib rapture of the church so as we see the king of persia he he ordered the rebuilding of the temple and and rebuilding of jerusalem took 49 years for that to take place seven years of weeks and then from the time that that was That from the time the coronation, when they opened that up, until the Messiah was 62 more weeks of years. So we had 69 weeks of Daniel's prophecy. And then, now Jesus came on the scene. And now, when Jesus was crucified and came out of the grave, everything stopped in that 70-year prophecy. And we've had almost 2,000 years Of the church age. The next thing to happen is to be the rapture of the church. Isn't that exciting? Child of God, this is why it is time to make sure that you honor God in every arena of your life, that you put His Word first place, that you walk by the faith of God that you walk in a revelation of the love of God, that you walk in the very strength and anointing of God, and that you're at peace so that you can walk and be led by the Spirit of God. Child of God, this is an accelerated time. The time is short, and God has a lot for us to do before we go home. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So the book of Revelation, if you really look at it, the book of Revelation, literally, it, it, the, the most important chapters for the church are really the first three chapters. There was letters to seven churches in Asia Minor, uh, which would be modern-day Turkey, uh, that, that John, when he was given this vision, the Lord spoke to seven specific churches. So the book of Revelation was written by the Apostle John. He was the only one of the 12 that was still alive. All the other disciples were martyred in different parts of the world. John, he moved to Ephesus before 70 AD. Now Ephesus... It was the greatest city in Asia Minor. It was the largest and most influential church. They estimate this church was probably about 100,000 people. John became a spiritual father to different pastors of many churches in Asia Minor. John was the most famous believer of the time. He He had no need to establish his credentials. John, what was really interesting with John, he never attached a title to himself. Now, if you could picture John, he was about 13 to 16 years old when he first followed Jesus, when Jesus first called him. Jesus, in other words, was like a father to him. What's interesting is John outlived the Caesar of his day, called Domitian. Domitian exiled John to the island of Patmos. But after John was exiled to that island of Patmos, he was there for 18 months. Um, John returned to Ephesus where he wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John when he was about somewhere between 80 and 90 years old. John received this revelation in about a.d. 90 to 95 while in exile in the island of Patmos notice I didn't say on the island of Patmos in the island of Patmos I've been to the island of Patmos I've been in a place where they're pretty sure that was the cave where John received that vision where he saw the Lord hallelujah This would have been about 20 to 25 years after the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed by the Roman army in A.D. 70. There are those that believe all was fulfilled in A.D. 70 when the temple was destroyed. However, John received this revelation 20 to 25 years later. So Caesar's rule started emperor worship. Domitian was the Caesar of the day, and he was Caesar from about A.D. 81 to A.D. 96, about 15 years. He was worse than Nero, who was Caesar from about A.D. 54 to A.D. 68. Domitian proclaimed himself to be Lord and God. He required everyone to burn incense before before the 27 foot marble statue of himself, and they had to burn incense and say, Caesar is Lord. People of the day believed that these Caesars were gods, but Domitian was a very paranoid emperor. He had astrologers, philosophers, and Christians martyred in masses so let's look at revelation chapter one in verse one and i just want to talk to you just a little bit about the book of revelation and i want to encourage you to possibly just look into this i think it'll make a lot more sense coming out of these meetings also you know i have done a a, a verse-by-verse study through the book of revelation at two different times and so you could even listen to those messages on our website but it's time, you know, I would say we could learn a lot from the first three chapters. Verse one of Revelation chapter one says, the revelation of Jesus Christ. This word revelation, it literally is the Greek word apocalypsis. It means to remove the cover, to uncover, to unveil. In other words, it's an unveiling Of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which much shortly come to pass. This word shortly in the Greek means a fixed place in time that comes speedily. Guys, Bible prophecy is very exact. And we are living in this time right now. And he sent his servant John, verse 2, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of the things that he saw. This book is a revealing of Jesus Christ. That's the book of Revelation. This book is a revelation that proceeds out of Jesus Christ. This, This book is a revelation about Jesus Christ. It says, blessed is he that reads and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time. In other words, a set season and time is at hand. This is the only book in the Bible where it literally says there's a blessing associated with it. Verse 4 John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, which literally, Asia Minor or Asia, it's modern-day Western Turkey. It says, he says, Grace be unto you in peace from him which is, which was, and which is to come, and from the seven spirit, which, spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood verse 6 and half past tense made us kings and priests unto god and his father in the literal greek it would be kings and priests unto his god and father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Verse 7. Behold, he comes. Now this is referencing the second coming. When is the second coming? So you have the rapture of the church, which will happen. The church will be taken out of here next, and then there will be an Ezekiel 38 conflict that takes place Joe talked about it a lot and went in detail where there's a Muslim confederation of nations all of which are in place right now for the first time in history this everything is set up for this conflict to happen where these people will come to invade Israel and in one day God will protect Israel and they will be wiped out the church will be out of here already and then after that conflict We will start Daniel's 70th week. There will come a world leader, the Antichrist, that will set up a treaty, a peace treaty, that never really works out for seven years. And it will start seven years. It'll all revert back to Old Testament. And it'll be seven years of the wrath of God being poured out upon man in a last-ditch effort to get man to turn to him. At the end of the seven-year period, Jesus is going to come to this earth and every eye will see him. And we're going to come with him and he's going to establish and set up his kingdom. And that's called the second coming, which is this is talking about right here. And it will usher us into a thousand-year millennial reign of Jesus Christ. It says, behold, he comes with clouds. We're, we're the clouds. And every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Verse 8, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, says the Lord, which is, which was, which is to come, the Almighty. Wow. Hallelujah. We serve a God who is all-powerful. The second coming of Christ is divided into two events. When Jesus comes to his church, the world won't see Jesus when he comes for his church. Peter and Paul, they they both wrote that it'll be like a thief in the night. When Jesus, the second time though, is when Jesus comes to set up his thousand-year reign on the earth during the millennial period. And that's what we're talking about in the second coming. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, let me leave you with this. Just as we come to a close tonight, this is not a letter, the book of Revelation, it's not a letter to put fear into people. This is actually a letter to impart grace and peace into your hearts second peter chapter 1 verse 2 says this grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of god and jesus our lord grace it is the very strength and ability that god has given to us it, the grace of God is God doing for you and I what we could never do for ourselves. Peace, peace. This is a supernatural fruit of the Spirit that is imparted into us for the purpose of giving us victory in all the storms of life while we remain at rest. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. When you read the first couple, like chapter 2 and chapter 3 of the book of Revelation, the letters to the seven churches in Asia Minor, minor, they lived under great persecution. And God wanted to comfort them and let them know that he was greater than anything that they would ever face. I'm telling you tonight, child of God, no matter what your situation, God is greater. Tonight, if you need healing in your body, He's already provided healing for you. And I declare in the name of Jesus, you receive that. For He loves you. He sent His Word and healed you. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. And we know the curse of the law includes all sickness and disease. It includes poverty and lack. It includes spiritual death. We've been redeemed from it. Hallelujah. I love Psalm 103.3, where it says, He forgives all of our iniquities and He heals all of our diseases. May you receive his healing power and his healing anointing in your body right now. May the peace of God and the grace of God be multiplied to you as you gain knowledge of Jesus, as you put his word first and meditate in it day and night. Child of God, I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited to do life with you. Be excited. Walk in the anointing and the gifting that God has placed upon you and within you. For God has great things for us to do in the name of Jesus.